Middle of the weekday, over to Hill Day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that's a good thing. This weekend is the 42nd annual March for Life that's sponsored by Arkansas's Right to Life. Going to be held uh, out there at the uh, Capitol. This is on January 19th at 2 in the afternoon. I'm going to tell you, it might be a little bit chilly out there. Dress warm, but... Sounds like no rain, which is really important. Not going to have rain. People won't even walk in the rain if it's like 90 degrees. They don't like the rain. You know what I'm saying? But they, they'll they get out and walk in the briskness. That doesn't bother them. Hey, we've had marchers walking in rain, snow, sleet. They don't, you know, they're there for the cause. They're for the, they're cause. For the babies. That's and- exactly right. Yeah, we march for life regardless of what it's doing outside. Okay, so this is a 46, 42nd yearly march. So you tell me, Rose, how many of those have you been at? Uh, I think it's been about 27. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. You're to be commended for your, I mean, you're to be commended for how long you have been in this fight for life. Well, I mean, I, you were in the fight for life when it was really tough. Well, I was a latecomer, you know, I didn't come on till 88, and then it was 93, really, before I became really involved with Arkansas Right to Life. Uh, I was a pregnancy um, center helper, worker, you know, trying to to help women to have babies, not abort them, when Arkansas Right to Life tapped me on the shoulder, and I was a waitress, you know, and doing doing a lot of uh, pro-life work as a volunteer, you know, Mm -hmm. um, organizing things. But uh, was really um, excited to be able to get a paycheck and to do it full time when Arkansas Right to Life hired me. So That's come fantastic. a long way. You brought Arkansas Right to Life a far way, too. Well, thank you. I, I hope I did have made a mark, you know, in oh, Arkansas. Oh, you have. <laughs> there, there's no doubt you have made an indelible positive impact on our community well thank you dave it's very kind of you to say you're a great friend and glad to be here with you today talking about the march for life we're going to talk all about it ryan bomberger is going to be the speaker i'm going to let you introduce him well ryan and i have known each other for a while now i've seen him um, many many times on on the national scene you know with our at our national convention he's a a great um spokesperson for you know that that uh, person that 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 child who you know we say should be aborted when they're conceived by rape ryan has a great story and he's going to share that with you but ryan not only was conceived by rape and and given the 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 miracle of adoption by his birth mother but he he came he was adopted by a family that was so passionate about 
children in life, um, of, children of all kinds, races, uh, disabilities. So he's going to tell you about the family that he grew up in. And he is a creative genius, in my opinion. He He's just done marvelous things, spreading the message of life with purpose um, that I am so happy he's coming to Arkansas to speak at our March for Life. He's been to Arkansas before speaking for other pro-life groups, but now we are bringing him to Arkansas. Well, it's, it's exciting because this is a guy who's spoken at Harvard, Princeton, Columbia Law School, University of Notre Dame, Ireland's Trinity College, the March for Life in D.C., March for Life in U.K., and he's been up on Capitol Hill. He's done briefings there for Congress. The man knows what he's speaking of. He's passionate about the topic. And, uh, Ryan, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. We've talked before. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to be here with you and Rose, and uh, it's just always an honor to talk about the thing that we are so passionate about. So you tell us right off the bat, why don't you let my listeners know, give them a little bit of your history. Sure. It's always interesting because people wonder when a guy's talking about abortion, one, why are you talking about abortion? Which, since we're part of, you know, 50% of the biological equation, we should always talk about human life. That's right. But um, I'm particularly passionate because my, my circumstance, where my birth mom experienced the horror and the violence of rape, and she had a choice. She had a choice whether she could just you know, go toward more violence and thinking that would heal her, which a lot of people who experience that, they need healing. They don't need more violence. But she chose life, gave me the incredible gift of adoption. I grew up in a tiny little family of 15. I have six brothers and six sisters, and 10 of us are adopted. 10 of us that the world would look at and say, well, they weren't planned. Of course, they're going to be unwanted and unloved. And my parents just shattered that whole myth, loved the mess out of all of us, all 13 kids, Now, keep this in mind, they raised 13 teenagers, had to teach 13 kids how to drive. Wow. (laughs) And they're still alive and well. (laughs) But um, it's really just, that's my background. That's why I'm so passionate. And now I'm, you know, married, happily married to the best woman on the planet, my wife, Bethany, who's the executive director of the Radiance Foundation. And we have four children, two of whom are adopted. So that, in a nutshell, is why I'm so passionate about talking about the, the violence of abortion and what we can do to end it. Well, you're 11 kids behind. You got to catch up here. <laughs> you know, I think my parents are made of tougher stuff than I am. But you know, we we always figure out that we always think the other person's stronger until we're in the situation. And I'm just a firm believer that God gives you the strength that you need, and he he absolutely gave it to my parents. You know, because it's never an easy thing just to raise even one child, mm-hmm. let alone thirty. I know we're behind. We're, yeah. we're holding it for it right now. That's all right. You're doing well. You're doing very, very well. <laughs> so so when people come to you and talk to you and they find out that you're a child of rape, what do they say to you? What's some of the questions that you feel out there amongst, uh, you know, the, the folks that are, you know, questioning about should you allow a child of rape to survive, things of that nature? Well, it's interesting because there are all kinds of reactions that I get. First of all, because I'm brown, you can't tell, you know, on the radio what my hue is, but I'm half white, half black. And so there are all kinds of immediate reactions because the assumption from mainstream media is that if you're brown, of course, you're, you're not pro-life. But of course, there are lots of brown and black people and people of all hues who are pro-life. But one of the common things that people respond to or, or say immediately, and it's the inevitable question that many people get in, it's what about rape? And so it kind of brings um, not a smile to my face because it's not something to laugh at, but it's always the go-to question. 
I, I am that one percent that's used a hundred percent of the time to justify abortion. There you go. And so typically that's the question. Like, what about abortion? I'm like, well, what about me? And then I get to share my my story. And what I find, especially in some of the colleges that you mentioned, is it brings down walls because I'm that tangible example of of the person of the human being that would be so easily written off. And so people often don't know what to say because right in front of them, there's someone who was conceived in rape, but yet has the same value as each and every one of them. And so that's usually, and then they ask me about my birth mom. I never met her. I hope one day I do. I just want to thank her for her courage. Um, but I'm a firm believer that anyone who has experienced the, the horror and the violence of rape needs healing, needs the counseling. What they don't need is abortion. Mm. Yeah. It's uh... I always thought, and, and, and I guess it's easy for me to say because I've not walked in those shoes of, of rape, but I can say this, that the only innocent person that's going to be punished in that case is the unborn child. And I just don't understand how you can bring that down on that kind of innocence. Right. And, and the further violence that it, that it carries out on the woman, mm-hmm. what I found shocking in all the events that I speak at um, from women who are who are post-abortive um, as a result of rape, and from those who chose to parent the child who was conceived in rape, there's a common thread among these women, and that was the child is the only redemptive part of such a violent act. And so I'm hearing from them saying that rape wouldn't have solved anything. Rape would not have healed me. Mm-hmm. And so I actually found that surprising as we started the Radiance Foundation to find that that was the common response from those who experienced the, the violence of rape. Well, talk about your group, uh, the Radiance Foundation. What exactly is it? What does it try to do? And uh, how are you all uh, doing it? My wife and I created the Radiance Foundation 10 years ago. So this is our 10th birthday this year. And we are so excited about what we do. We, we illuminate that every human life has purpose. We educate people about a myriad of social issues in the context of God-given purpose. And then What good is our knowledge? What good is our faith if we don't put it into action? So we motivate people uh, to peaceful action. And we do this through a lot of creative means. We do it through billboard ads, social media ads. We do it through our, what I call our factivism, our fearless journalism, and our our compassionate community outreaches, and of course those multimedia live presentations at 60 events, 60 different locations around the world every year. And so we just try to illuminate that life has purpose and always trying to do it in unconventional ways, but always making sure that people walk away from every event feeling hopeful. I mean, we're talking about heavy, heavy cultural stuff, but we want them to feel empowered that they can do something about it. Just like the March for Life this weekend, people will walk away knowing that they can play a role in elevating human dignity, that they can actually step in and do something to protect human life. So, and how, with your outreach... How successful has it been? We've gotten <laughs> tons of media coverage through our billboard campaigns and through our other uh, efforts. So in that way, you know, you, that's not a gauge, I guess, of how successful, but there's been a lot of attention paid to some of the work that we've done. I think the most successful and the way that we measure it is when people write to us and they say things like, I, I was pregnant and I already have three children, but I saw the news about your billboard campaign, and I decided not to have an abortion. I looked, I looked for the pregnancy center that you guys highlighted in your campaign, and I know that I can make it through. For me and my wife, that's success. I mean, to know that 
we've moved somebody's heart from from pain and confusion to to hope and action toward that end. So we you know we we get you know 60 events a year in these different venues, and I guess that could be a measure of success. So many different kinds of places, some that are not so friendly. <laughs> I imagine that uh, Sunday, of course, will be a very friendly environment, but some environments are yes. extremely hostile. But you know that you're you're successful when the other side really has no response. They have no way to actually debunk anything that you're saying. And that's what we're experiencing now. The abortion industry especially has really no way of countering what we're doing. When we launched some of our other um, initial efforts, Planned Parenthood created a, a documentary. I call it a crockumentary. It was a 20-minute piece on YouTube about you know featuring African-Americans extolling Planned Parenthood. They had no way to respond to our campaign, so instead they put out this, this documentary. That's another way that we just measure their success, because a billion-dollar industry cannot honestly respond to our messaging. So I guess my, my, my basic question is, over, <clears throat> excuse me, over the years that you've been doing this now, have you seen major changes in the the way Americans think about abortion. Everybody tells me, Dave, why do you bring, why do you bring life up and talk about it? Because everybody is firmly entrenched in in their particular camp. I don't believe that. No, I mean, public opinion is not a static sort of thing. It changes all the time. I mean, not that I put much faith in these public polls, but you are seeing that a majority of Americans want some kind of restriction on abortion. That's really a result of the work of people like Rose Mims and, and right-to-life groups across the country and, and pregnancy centers across the country that are moving the hearts of people to understand what abortion really is and to understand that there are far better ways of dealing with life that is unplanned. And so I do see it all the time. I see public opinion shifting. I, I see it even in, in an, an immediate event where students come up and say, I, I never even heard of this or ever was presented this from this perspective, and you completely just shattered everything that I thought before coming into this room. Mm-hmm. So I know just even from that, that micro level that there's change, and we are certainly seeing it on a national level, which is why you've got some of the upheaval that, that you're seeing. Why was there so much insane uh, chaos with Kavanaugh hearings? Because they know... The other side knows that we are close. We are close to to a huge change. And look at what President Trump has done. I mean, I, I never would have expected it, but he really has been, I, I would say, probably the most pro-life president. His policies and his actions are are unexpected, but they're very welcome. And, and that has shifted things, too. We defunded Planned Parenthood, $60 million of Title X funding. Come on. There are some really great shifts that are going on. And I'm encouraged by by some of what I'm seeing. If you think the fight over Kavanaugh was big, wait <laughs> wait till Ginsburg or one of the other uh, uh, justices retire or leave, because the next justice that goes in is going to be unbelievably a bloody battle. It it will, and unfortunately, the other side has no problem with whatever efforts. Oh yeah, are needed. They, they, they resort to any means to get their point across. So, yeah, I do expect to see more of the, the insanity. But, you know, this is, the kind of, this is what happens. I mean, this is – it would be revolutionary. I can't wait for the next justice to, uh, 
particularly on the left side of the court, to be replaced. Well, people ask me what I think, and I say, when you wound an animal and it's dying, I'm just telling you, it thrashes out in ways that you never expect, and that's exactly where the left is now. They're like a wounded animal, and they're doing anything and everything possible to to try to stop the inevitable, I believe. It's true. And, and interesting in that analogy, though, too, is that it's the pro-life side that loves the other human being no yes, matter what. We're absolutely. the ones who will be there to care for you and love you and and to act as peacefully as possible, which is what we do. Sometimes it's kind of crazy because the other side comes at you with so much insanity and violence and, you know, vitriolic language, and yet we just we stand firm. All right, we're going to get a break in, and can you stay with us for a few more moments, Ryan? Absolutely. Okay, we appreciate it. We'll be back to talk more with Ryan uh, Bomberger and, of course, Rose Mims. I love having Rose Mims here in the studio. We're going to talk about the uh, walk, the annual March for Life, coming up on this Sunday, January 19th, in Little Rock, 2 p.m. It's going to be at the Capitol. We'll tell you where it's going to be, where you meet to start the, the walk and all that. That's all coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. one oh one one FM, the uh, answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh program. All right, we are back with you. I've got to do something this hour really quickly. Uh, Ryan, real fast, I've got to give away some tickets. I forget, We've com- completely forgot, Zach. Uh, I need to name, you call in just till Zach at 8230965. The name of this song and the artist, and I'm going to give you tickets to go see Foreigner, uh, Journey, and Europe all together, and they're going to be over in Mississippi pretty close. What? What? Where? Where is that going to be, Zach? I think South Haven. Or South Haven, yeah, is where it's going to be. It's about two hours away, but we're going to give you tickets to the concert. Here's the song. Call Zach. Tell him, tell him the name of the song and... The artist, eight two three oh nine six five. All right, that's all they play. All right. If you know what the name of that song is, eight two three oh nine six five, you get a couple of tickets to go see Foreigner live in uh, in concert. Hey Ryan, I was talking during the break, about three minutes before we get to the bottom of the hour. I was talking uh uh, to Rose, and I was talking about, uh, you know, being a, a person of color, I'm sure that you have something to say about Planned Parenthood and how they've targeted race uh, as far as abortion goes. Yeah, they do all the time. And I just want to remind people that everyone's a color, so um, <laughs> unless you're transparent. But, yes, being someone who is brown, apparently Planned Parenthood does not like when someone who is black and pro-life speaks out against them. But their history is one of eugenics, one of racism, mm-hmm. and we call that out through the Radiance Foundation. And there are so many examples of, of their overt racism. I mean, when the black community, their abortion rates up to five times higher than the white community, and Planned Parenthood continues to target and to advertise and market to black colleges, black students in high school, to the black community, come on. So we call them out for the, their eugenic past, which has never changed. They, yeah, I mean, they, they have the same DNA today. Margaret Sanger hated black people. She did. There's no doubt about it. She thought you were subhuman and you needed to be eradicated. Well, this is why it's so important to understand history. We hear the mantra all the time. People who don't understand their history are doomed to, to fail or to 
their president is doomed. But yet these same people who constantly support Planned Parenthood say, oh, well, the past doesn't matter. Margaret Sanger, oh, that's so last century. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Planned Parenthood during Margaret Sanger's day was actually not as bad as it is today because today they're actually killing human beings. Over 340,000 in the last reported year. So we, we highlight the history. We have people understand the impact today. And to say, I mean, people like Fannie Lou Hamer, the anti-poverty and the voting rights activist, called abortion genocide in the black community. She had no love for Planned Parenthood. Neither do I. All right. Well, we look forward to you speaking this Sunday at the 42nd Annual March for Life, which is sponsored by the Arkansas Right to Life happening this Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Capitol Building. And uh, I'll let you get on with uh, your life now, and we'll uh, we'll talk to Rose when we come back. Ryan, thank you so much for uh, finding some time for us. Absolutely. So great to be with you. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. So that's Ryan Baumberger, and you're going to hear a whole lot more from him on Sunday. we got to get our break in for news, and then we'll be back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com